I wanted to share with you a great testimony. You know, we um, we have all the, these subcontractors over at Storehouse, and I mean, there is Salvador and Hector and Juan and Jose, and I mean, we're just all having a big old rip-roaring good time, right? They all talk to me, and I pretend like I understand what they're saying, and then I, I, I very carefully craft the 20 words that I know in Spanish, and I kind of mix them all up so I can kind of say what I want, but mostly it's done in over there, a key, a key, you know, and um, so anyway, there was a, one of our, one of our wonderful um, <clears throat> workers hurt his back, uh, and it's been hurt for about a year, and he hurt his back on the job, and so his pain level was like at a uh, nine, and he just said, I mean, he came in, you could just see the grimace on his face, but he's working, trying to make money for his family, and um, and he just said, uh, he asked me a question. He said, do you have any painkillers? And I'm like, uh, why? You know, and he told me about his situation. And I said, I don't have any painkillers. And I actually thought, do I? You know, and like that would be a solution. Um, and then he said, and I said, well, no, but uh, my husband John has a back brace somewhere in the house. I don't know. And so I thought, I'll bring that next time. And then I turned around. I started to walk away. And I went, wait a minute. <laughs> I can heal you. <laughs> I'm the pastor. So uh, so anyway, I said, you know, Jesus heals, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to say that. Jesus Christo, Christo, Jesus Christo. I'm, I know Lisa, right? Lisa's like, I took her to Honduras. She'd think she would know this. <clears throat> so anyway, I lay hands on his back, and I start praying. And, and he's like, oh, my back is getting hot. You know, so his back gets hot, and... Um, and anyway, so the Lord takes his pain all the way down from a 10 to a zero, and, and, which is awesome, right? So he came, and I didn't think anything else ab at, about it because I was like, look, I need you to work because we're on a schedule, so I got to get you healed, you know, <laughs> very selfishly motivated. So uh, he came, Amory and I were there, and he said, I want to tell you what happened. He said, I, I wasn't able to work at all. Like, I was in so much pain, and I had to go to the doctors three times that year, and they kept saying, don't work. You can't climb ladders. You can't do this heavy work. Your time of doing that is over. And he said, but this is how I, I, I live, you know? And he said, I would get home from work. I couldn't play with my son. And my son, and he said, you know, he told us what his son said, Poppy, why are you not play with me? You know, and, and he was just like tearing up. I can't do anything. And he said, and then you prayed for me, and my back got hot, and then I didn't have any more pain. And I, he, he said, still to this day, he said, I do everything. I have, no re I have no reason not to work now. And so he was so excited about that, and he said, I'm over five people at my job. And they're all saying, why isn't your back hurt? So he said, I was telling them, I went to this place and my back got hot and this lady prayed for me and Jesus healed me. <laughs> so we're really excited. And before we leave, we want to minister to everybody that's up there. We're going to prophesy over all of our workers. We are not letting them go without an encounter. Amen. <laughs> Yes. All right. My second testimony is um, we've been doing this teaching on, on money and the kingdom, which has been so powerful because we just, you know, I'm 
mine happened before we even deposited the money in the bank. Like, you know, the money's still sitting there in whatever bag we keep it in. I don't know how the, all that works, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but then our miracle came, and then we sowed again, and the miracle came, and we were naming our seed, and some of the seeds weren't for, for uh, uh, abundance and money or debt or any of that, but some of the seeds were for, um, for someone to have an encounter. And within 24 hours, this person had an encounter. I'm telling you guys, it's crazy. Uh, but God gave us seed to the sower, and he said, name the seed, we name the seed. And so I was like, I have this fungus on my toe. <clears throat> I know it's gross, right? But let's get real. Vulnerability, right? That's all. We're all family, right? Um, so anyway, I had this fungus on my toe, guys, for 10 years. I know, it's gross. But I couldn't afford to go get it fixed, and... Um, and my toenail had gotten to the point where it was just kind of not really attached anymore. I know, Crystal, I'm so sorry. Crystal is like, I can't believe you're telling this story. That is so gross. So uh, if you, you don't know this, because I didn't know it, um, when you get a fungus on your toe, your toe will actually start to warp and your toenail, and it'll start to grow wide instead of out. And so it was digging into my, uh, like an ingrown toenail into my toe. And so it didn't matter what kind of toe, what kind of shoe I wore, my foot was throbbing. My toes were throbbing all the time. And I said to John about a month ago, I think I'm going to have to go and, and uh, get this toenail finally taken out. And, you know, ladies, come on, right? I mean, I don't want to do that. I'm liking those shoes and the pedicures and all of that good stuff. So I really didn't want to do it. And I woke up one day and I heard the Lord say, will you believe me for your toe? toenail toe you know because it hurt when I slept because the sheets would I mean it's just a sheet it's nothing but it hurt when I slept and so I was like yes I will and all of a sudden I had a vision of my toe my toenail reattaching to my toe like I saw it being whole I saw it in my mind and I thought I am fully convinced that this is going to happen, but I'd just gone through a season of training in faith, of being fully convinced of God and what he can do, and so every morning, the Lord reminded me to thank him for my toe, and my toenail, as it grew out, it healed and has now reattached itself, and I have no inflammation, and I showed it to John this morning. I was like, look at that. I had my toe up in his face, and I was like, isn't that a miracle? I mean, it looks, it actually looks better than the other toenail now. So, <clears throat> I have a reattached toenail, thanks to the Lord. Amen? <laughs> Ten years, right? You'd think I would have done this before, but anyway, praise the Lord, never too late. Um, all right, so, we're, uh, we're, this is the second in the series of um, Beholding King Jesus. And we're just in the season of um, remembering all that Christ did for us when he came and he was born in a manger. And I love how you sang that song that he actually turned a, major into a, a manger into a hotel. I mean, you know that's good, right, ladies? Come on, five star. Maybe not, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> well, the kings did come, and come on, you get gifts in the manger. That doesn't get much better than that. So, um, I just, you know, as we, as we do this, I want to talk about the attributes and the knowledge of God. And one of the things that really gripped me um, as I was praying about this 
is how Jesus came and and one of the things that he primarily introduced to us was God. You know, in the the, the Jewish traditions and, and the Jews, they didn't even they wouldn't even say like his name. They would take that vowel out. You know, there was no Vanna White in the Old Testament. Get rid of that vowel. You know, and that's how holy he was. And so he wasn't approachable. But when Jesus came, <clears throat> he called him his father. He introduced him as a relational God, as a God that is somebody who's, uh, who we can relate to um, as our father. And, and before that time, he was never thought of, he was never spoken of as father. And so primarily what Jesus did when he came to the earth is he came to restore an orphan earth, an orphan planet, the whole earth filled with people and he came and he and with a cry within him the, the a cry of abba father that you're no longer going to be orphans but there's a dad and like i said last week you know the beauty of the gospel is not that jesus died so to create a religion but jesus died to bring us home to to our father and to bring us into a family and show us the fullness of what that means. And if we can begin to get a hold of that, and if that's the gospel that we begin to preach, then that's the gospel that people will respond to because they were created by God to respond to that gospel. <clears throat> so Jesus, you know, it's funny because we always, we kind of focus on the subsets, you know. We focus on um, Jesus, you know, he came and he, cast out the demons and he healed the brokenhearted and he he, he um, uh, healed the lepers and he you know um, uh, he multiplied food and the miracles and, and and he taught about the kingdom all of this is good but that is secondary to him saying that the reason I have come is to reveal the father to you it is and so when you see in your Bible places about revelation when he talks in Ephesians 1 I want to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation the revelation is the knowledge of God you would have a revelation of who God is a revelation of the nature of God the beauty of God the majesty of God the majesty of your father because you are made in his image and as you see him so you will become as you see him so you will become like him we become what we behold you know and they they and this is true about music as well the things that you listen to you will become as well so i'm going to run through a couple of scriptures i put these on a powerpoint presentation this is this is me and my administrative <laughs> i put these on a powerpoint presentation i was really proud of myself and then i leaned over to annie and i said hey did you get those slides that i sent you and she said no and i went Oh, yeah, I forgot to send them. So they're on my computer at home, but so follow along with me. So here you have to turn in your Bibles now. All right, John chapter 1. Woo! <laughs> oh, God is good, isn't he? Lord, thank you for Anne Marie. Yes. Yeah. I honor you, woman of God. You are long-suffering. <laughs> All right, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 14. 
The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God. Oh, this is, uh, this is verse 18. Sorry, I skipped down. Um, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father and has made him known. Close, he is in the closest relationship to the Father. And his job description was, hey, I'm going to send you down there. Your job description is to look like me, to talk like me, to act like me. You will be the perfect representation of the revelation of who I am to the earth so that the earth, that orphan earth, will respond and cry out, Abba, Father. Oh, we have a father. We have a father. We don't have a distant God who is, who's angry. We have a father who's loving. We have a father who's kind. We have a father who's patient. We, and, and you're gonna, you're gonna tell them that even when you go and you leave, you're gonna leave the beauty of the father and all that he is is gonna be now available. Somebody asked me, it was Heather. She said, what is the attribute that you love the most about? about Jesus. And I said, it's probably his availability. I mean, honestly, I just, he's so available. He's more available than anybody, any human. He's more available. I, I, I need you. I need you. I need you. Can you help me? Can you comfort me? I'm mourning. Can you comfort me? You know, I, I, I need you as provider. I need you as my husband. I need you to love me. I need you to, to help me because I'm fearful. You know, whatever it is, bam, he's there. You could be on you could be on the highest mountain or the or or the or or the hottest desert. Guess what? Bam, he's there. He's available. <laughs> Ooh, like UPS, but better. So then Philip says to Jesus, he says this. Um, they have okay, you're gonna have to turn again because it's not up there. And I have to make sure that I know where I am. Holalamahana. Um, okay, John 14. Turn in your Bibles to John 14. Fourteen, verse seven. Okay, so Jesus is talking now. Jesus just goes through and he's talking about on the way, the truth, and life. He'd already told Peter, "Get behind me, Satan!" Da, 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 da. Oh no, that was when he was telling him, "Oh, you're going to deny me three times." And then he goes on and he says, um, like uh, in in verse fourteen, um, in uh, chapter fourteen, verse one, "Let your heart not be troubled." Uh, you believe in God, believe in me also. My house has many rooms. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he goes on in verse 7, and he says, If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So he's saying something, and Philip is trying to get his mind around what he's saying because he's like, uh, wait a minute. What are you saying? Because I'm looking at you, but you're saying that, if I'd known you, then I would have known the Father. And so it's not computing with him that the fullness of who Jesus is. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? I mean, in that moment, I don't know about you, but man, I'm looking at Jesus eyeball to eyeball and I'm going, <clears throat> oh, Wow. I mean, I would have fallen on my face being like, wait, 
you are God. He's saying, I am the Father. I am the Father in the flesh. I am the Word in the flesh. I have said it over and over to you. I've been with you for over three, you know, for almost three years. And, and so he's saying, I've been saying the same thing. I am the perfect representation of the Father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And so what I, what, when, when Philip says, if you'll show me the Father, it will be fully sufficient for us. That word means that I will be fully content and lack nothing. That if we know the Father, then we will lack nothing. There will be nothing in us that we feel like we're still needing, but it will be fully sufficient. And I love that. All right. Jesus said this to the Pharisees, who he wasn't very kind to. He said this when when they were talking to him about uh, uh, how they knew the scriptures and they were so smarty pants and they just like had all of that head knowledge and they were the scribes and you know they were the they were the smart ones Have you ever walked onto a university campus and tried to debate anything with some of those scholars some of the university professors who are um don't know jesus <laughs> i think they've made a couple of movies about that it's very intimidating and they are they are, they are very convinced in, the, in knowledge and the, the knowledge that they have. And Jesus said this to the Pharisees. <clears throat> he says this in John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God. That, no, 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 what, wrong, wrong one. Sorry. Um, he said that he was talking to them about uh, seeking after eternal life. He said, you search the scriptures for in them. You think you have eternal life, but you're not willing to come to me for life. You see, there's, there's a couple of different kinds of knowledge. There is a head knowledge and an understanding of who Jesus is. Now, I had that before I got saved, and I was sitting in church <clears throat> on holidays, and, um, and I had an understanding as an American that Jesus was the Son of God, okay? So I had an intellectual understanding. It made sense to me, okay. But I did not have a heart understanding, and I did not have an understanding uh, through revelation that this is who this man was. And so one of the, 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 um, the mind knowledge is the knowledge that he says that puffs up. It is the is knowledge of who God is. That is the thing that puffs us up. But the knowledge of God that comes through communion is the place where we begin to ascend into the very heart of God. And the revelation that we have has a tangible weight of God's presence on it. And it is that is the transformative um communion that is the transformative knowledge so i'm not just seeking knowledge under knowledge and this is and especially for people who have a have a gift of teaching <clears throat> it is very difficult for them to move over into the place of of um knowledge by revelation and knowledge by communion because i've noticed a lot of what they want to do is they just want to debate 
They just want to debate scripture. They want to debate right and wrong. They want to debate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I listen to that and I go, I think you need to just pray. Which really sometimes makes them mad. But honestly, I, I might, it's your heart God's after. He doesn't want to know that you know the history of la-di-da-di-da. It's not that, that he doesn't want you to know that, but that is not, he cares about the heart. And he cares about your heart in love, and he cares about us as his kids, right? So the attribute that I want to talk about, and I wanted to, to, to just kind of lay a foundation about the knowledge of God, but the attribute that I want to talk about and knowing this particular attribute is the attribute of longing. So um, turn in your Bibles to Genesis 2, the attribute of longing. And I want you to let that sink in because um, a lot of how we're made and the things that we desire and the things that we think, you know, we just think that's us, but that was actually something that God seeded into us when he created man. Um, He created us with a longing for love. He created us for a longing for communion. Um, So um, he, God defined reality for man in the garden, right? So he created, so everything about us was defined back then. Everything, every system in the world, in the universe, was defined through that reality of what he created when he created the heavens and the earth and the trees and the, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, he created God, he created Adam to discover the attribute of longing and desire which God placed in him when he experienced lack. Now, I want you, I'm just going to let that sit there for a minute. Now, God did not make, he didn't do anything. He, everything he made was perfect. Adam, within Adam was Eve. He already had a solution, but what he was looking for, I believe, and I think it can be proved, is what he was looking for is for Adam to come to his own conclusion that he had longing, that he had desire. And that was an awakening that began to stir in him and his self-awareness, he began to become aware of there was a need that he had. The need was within him. It just needed to be pulled out of him. Okay? So God had already found a solution. Remember he said when Adam said, hey, I'm looking around and, and, and I've, been, I've been declaring the word. I've been declaring the word. I've been declaring the word. <clears throat> but I've noticed that I don't have anyone that's like me. Think about the vulnerability and the connection between him and the father. As a son, to, be, to feel the freedom to go to the father and say, I, I love all of this, but this is what I'm feeling I'm feeling this, Dad. I'm feeling this as they walk together in the cool of the day. He was completely open with his emotions, with his thoughts and his feelings towards the Father. And the Father, in his goodness, said, that's really good. Look at that. The thing you desire is the thing that I created you for. 
which is communion. And so he puts him to sleep, and I want to read that scripture because I think it's so beautiful. And the Lord God called, caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in that place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And I love that because it was, it was all on God. It was all on God, and God was doing the work. He, uh, you know, Adam said, I have longing, and I have desire. And God said, I know. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to long for companionship, to long for love? I put that in you because I had love. And here's the beauty of love, okay? Love expands, and when you have love, love looks for a home. It's always looking for a home, and it's looking for a place to multiply itself and to give itself away. Whereas you've got fear, on the other hand, which is the opposite, that is always dividing, and it is always um, destroying, and it causes us to withdraw. But love is like, I have to give it away. I have to give it away. I have to share my love. Don't you know you feel that way, right? When you're feeling, you know, full of love or you've been in the prayer room or you've been in the presence of God, all you want to do is go around and spill on people like one who got healed, you know? It's just like, oh, I spilled on you. Okay, there's love. God loves you. But here's the point. God caused sleep to come over Adam. And out of his side came his bride, Eve. Now, Eve, as most of you know, means life. But did you know that it also means a place for one to dwell? Shut up. Eve also means a place for one to dwell. Now, what was God doing? He was actually saying, now look, this is a type and shadow. This is the first Adam. There's a second Adam who's going to come, who has a quickening spirit. And guess what he's going to do? He's going he's gonna to be hung on a cross, and, and I'm going to cause the Roman soldiers to pierce his side. And once again, the second Adam is giving birth. What is he doing? He's giving birth to his Eve. Because out of that side came two things, water and blood. What happens when you have a baby? Water and blood. So he's giving birth out of his side, out of his own rib. He's giving birth. That's a birth canal. And what's coming is his bride. Again, Jesus is like, I have a longing. I have to go to the cross. I want to go to the cross. Why? Because my desire is complete. The longing within my heart for my own bride has consumed me, and I have to have her as my own. Amen? Sure. All right. So as Eve became one, he, she became a dwelling place. So we have become a dwelling place. And don't you know that the end of the story is it ends with a wedding, that we are the bride of Christ. And there is a bridegroom who's asking dad every day, I'm convinced, can I go home? Can I go home? Can I go get her? Is she ready? Is she ready? And remember, it said when, with Eve, it said that it was the father that pulled her out. 
It was the father that then brought her to Adam. And once again, it will be the father that helps to prepare a bride on the earth today for the return of his son. And she will be spotless and she will be clothed in linen. She will be a priesthood that is worthy of his son. Without the revelation of the Father in the context of relationship of longing and desire, it leaves us with a stale religion. It leaves us going through the motions without being driven by desire and longing for love, without desire for longing of covenant, at that covenantal connection. And we can see this in the history of the Jewish people because after the time when Malachi, the last prophet who prophesied, there was 400 years until John the Baptist showed up on the scene. And so there was not a prophet for 400 years. Well, what happened in that 400 years? <clears throat> oh, those Pharisees got busy. They got busy and they started adding laws to the original laws that were never dictated by God. So what happens is when the voice of God is silent, man will start making rules to try to manage the behavior of people. You see, without an internal connection, you've got to get external controls. If we're not driven by the heart and connected in covenant with a longing and a desire for love, that, I'm, that I pursue God not because I have to or because some pastor said you got to get that hour's worth of prayer every day or, you know, you're not doing your religious responsibilities. But I'm like, God, light my heart on fire so that I begin to be drawn by desire. I have to have you like that. I can't be satisfied with the way things were yesterday, but I want to grow in a longing and more. Amen. See, the same happened to the church over the past 2,000 years that denied that the Father speaks anymore. That was my own personal encounter, my own personal experience. When I started hearing the voice of the Lord and I was shut down by the church that said, no, God doesn't speak anymore. And I just thought, well, I've never read the Bible, but that doesn't make any sense. Um, so thank goodness, you know, that the Holy Spirit was leading me even then. But, but, but. To say that God is not speaking is saying that you're not in that covenantal connection hearing the voice of the Lord in order to draw you to a deeper level of intimacy and vulnerability with God. You see, all along it's been about family and it's been about communion. The father and the son who call all of his family back home. And I... And you, we were all created for desire and longing for communion. So the quintessence of life is to know God and to know one another in a deep and vulnerable way. Where we are fully known and fully loved by God is where we are fully known and fully loved by each other. As I know God and I see him, I begin to see me through him. And as I see me through him, I began to really love how he made me and who he made me to be. And then I can go and I can love people in a more intimate and deeper and vulnerable way because I'm okay with who I am. And then their love grows because I'm showing them the love of not just me, but the love of the Father. Do you see how that works? 
but we have to keep first things first and not try to go to man first and find the love there. But we've got to go to the Father and begin to let him stir up that longing in our hearts. And I can tell you that I've gone through seasons um, and times where I've just, you know, I've had my head handed to me. And they've been dry and they've been hard and everything. And I feel like I'm crawling to the finish line, you know. And, um, and so I'm like, I don't even know. I don't, I'm, not ex- I'm not experiencing you. I'm not feeling you. And it's interesting what happens in that time. You're either going to run from God, don't recommend that, or you're going to press in, you know. And you're going to allow yourself to find him. And to find that water source and you begin to seek him and you begin to seek him it's like in song of solomon when the shulamite was running around going have you seen the one that i love have you seen the one that i love and those are the times when we really begin to grow in love and for some of you that have gone through these hard seasons and and dry seasons i just want to tell you you are right in the perfect place because you have been learning, you've been lifting weights in, in, in chasing after God and finding God. And the Lord's like, you needed this muscle for you to carry what I've got for you in this next season. You, you, are, you are being promoted right now. And so God is having you lift weights and, and the tearing is hard and it's, and it's causing heartache with you. But beloved, hang on because you're coming into that next season where you're going to be fully equipped to handle the beauty and the glory and the revelation that's coming to you. And you're going to be able to steward it really, really well. And so let that desire stir up in you. Let that desire. And listen, if you're in a place where you're like, I'm feeling kind of dead, which I've been there before, I'm like, I got to fast. I got to fast. I got to go without something because I am not going to let my life be this way where I'm complacent or I approach God in a complacent way because my God, our God, deserves passion. He deserves honor. He deserves hunger. And, and, and so I'm like, God, stir up. I don't care if I never eat again. You are worthy of that kind of zeal and, 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 uh, and uh, um, 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 almost heart sickness for love. Right? You know? And so I want you to really take inventory of where you are right now. All of us are in different places, but it's like, where's my heart? You know, am I kind of stuck in like pause, like things are going okay. And I'm just kind of like, you know, do I need to put paddles to my heart and ask the Holy Spirit, you know, would you let me go on a fast? Would you give me grace for a fast? God, I want to pursue you in that way. You know, I want to come alive in that way again, God. I want to give you what you're worthy to receive with just passion and zeal and love and desire and longing. I want that to be a, 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 like a watermark of our lives. Amen? So anyway, let me go ahead and wrap this up. Ha, <laughs> ha, uh. God, I pray that you would help us. <clears throat> Let's just pray. I ha- I've, God, I pray that you would help us to, um, to be the real deal. You know, that 
God, I'm just telling you, man, I don't want to be slick. I don't want to be polished, you know? I don't want to be a church that's slick and polished. I just want to be a people that are real, God. I just want to be approachable. I just want to be a wonderful, weird, wacky family, you know, where we can put, we feel so comfortable with each other that we can put our feet up on the coffee table, you know, where we can um, dance and sing and joke and love extravagantly. Father, I pray that you would, I just pray for the church, God, in America. God, I pray for, that you would break our hearts for a longing and a desire for you, God, that we would awaken, that you would awaken us, God, to to connection and love and vulnerability. Father, that we would pursue that one thing, that we would have desire in our hearts more than anything else, that we would long to be with you, that we would long to connect with you, that we would long to, to pray with you, that you would call us into the night. You would wake us up in the night, and it would be the joy of our hearts to say, I'm going to spend hours chasing after you and hearing that sweet, tender voice, God. Make us those people of one thing. Make us those people of longing. Awaken us for our bridegroom, that we're not satisfied with religious activities, God, but we have to have an encounter of intimacy and love, God. Would you wreck us that we could go to the highest heights and the deepest depths and the widest widths of love, God, that we would experience the full measure of love in this life, God. Encounter with you, God, your presence, and with each other, God, that we would leave nothing left in this life. Make us radical. Make us zealous. Make us the army of God. Make us a beautiful, spotless bride, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321. Thank you very much for your contributions.